This is Pen Dust Radio. Welcome, all you literati, you lovers of words and tales, you who need a break in your hurried, harried lives. We have a salve for your soul with stories imaginative and original. Short stories, riveting fiction, and wildly creative nonfiction. Pen Dust Radio. Definitely not the same old story. Please visit us at pendustradio.com. This podcast is a production of Rivercliff Books and Media. We publish literary fiction and creative nonfiction. Learn more at rivercliffbooks.com. This humorous story, filled with amusing pop culture references, is about all the masks we wear to fit in with people whose masks look a little bit shinier than ours under the library lights at a PTA meeting in an affluent suburb of Los Angeles, California. This is a story about how we are all, deep down, just insecure middle schoolers. Amy Ferguson grew up just outside of Denver, Colorado, believing she was destined to be discovered as either a beat poet or a really famous rock star. At the age of 20, her dreams of fame and Gidget Beach parties took her to Los Angeles, where she spent the next 21 years sweating, searching out homes of the rich and famous, getting married, and having two amazing sons. She also joined the PTA. This is a fictionalized version of True Events. Kicked Out of the PTA Written by Amy Ferguson Read by Julie Niblett You know that dream where you look down and you're completely naked and the teacher calls on you to come up to the front of the classroom and finish the algebra problem on the board like it's some dream version of Goodwill Hunting? And you're naked! Or even worse... Imagine you're up at the front of the class, solving a super intricate problem in the dark. Still naked, of course. Someone walks into the room, turns on the light, and the entire school is there, laughing at your naked nonsense. Now imagine that you're pouring Chardonnay into emptied-out water bottles at 9pm in the back of a parked SUV by the dim light of friend number one's iPhone, when friend number two opens the passenger door. This turns on the car's interior light exposing your trash-like activities to the entire elementary school seated on the lawn facing you. There they are, with popcorn in hand, just trying to enjoy movie night, separated from your shenanigans only by a sidewalk, the movie Big Hero 6, and a chain-link fence. Oh, and you and everyone else in the SUV of debauchery are members of the PTA. If it is possible to get kicked out of the PTA based on bad behavior, Believe me when I tell you that my picture would be on the warning pamphlet under the heading, Don't Let This Happen to You. Not that I wanted or consciously tried to get kicked out, but one thing leads to another and, well, it happens. I was a mess then and I'm a mess now. I know for a fact that everyone who sat on the PTA board with me knew this. I'm not like the other people my age who can somehow accomplish daily adult things like remembering to shower. I'm the embodiment of messy-haired embarrassment wrapped in leggings disguised as jeans, otherwise known as my fancy pants. 
and for the record, I plan on bringing everyone down with me. When I was a teenager, my dad always told me not to worry about the mean girls because everyone is too busy worrying about themselves. Then, at the same time, he audibly worried about my unkempt hair and my sweat-swearing ways. He thought both would ruin my social life. Well, Dad, I have perfected my craft over the years and have fooled all these people. Soon I will have my own empire of comfy, soft-legged followers. You're probably not super proud of that, but you should be. Take a swim in the pool of pride, for it will be my greatest gift to this world. This story begins when I lived in a tiny, run-down apartment building in the middle of a million-dollar neighborhood in Los Angeles, California, in a city in the valley called Encino. Look, almost everyone in Los Angeles is lying to you. Most of the time, it's not for any nefarious reason. People just really need self-promotion. Like me, for instance. I'm a struggling writer. And, like a third of Los Angeles, I'm trying to sell a screenplay. I need to finish writing it, of course, but that's the easy part. Or, easier part. The hard part is selling it. So, you network at playdates and hope you don't come off to, you know, L.A. Because as soon as someone in the industry smells the unsolicited sell, you're done. You're not told you're done. You just start noticing people you know ducking behind the fruit when they see you in the grocery store. Everyone in L.A. has some side hustle or self-promotion going on. And I'm sure it's not just in Los Angeles. You know, like when you pick the undies off the floor, hide the wine box, straighten the lampshade, and sweep the crumbs off the table so the background of your Instagram post of your artsy glass of wine doesn't look like a total disaster. We all do it. To survive in L.A., you feel like you have to play the self-promo game. We put on layers and layers of different personalities in the hope that somebody will finally see us. We rub elbows with the stars, literally, like in the grocery store, at parties, at your son's playdate. We have to keep up. We have to pretend that our lives are interesting, that we shower every day, and we don't have a weird obsession with the boy band One Direction. I'm really awful at playing the game. I try, but then I get drunk at a mutual friend's house and tell the woman I'm pretending I don't know how much I loved her on that 90s sitcom she won an Emmy for and that I'm writing a sitcom. Then I'm never invited to a party that she's at ever again. I don't know one person who has their life together. Not one. I know people who pretend they do, but from what I can see... We're all in various stages of feigning that we're not on the verge of the front door opening up to our own surprise ambush makeover show on HGTV. About once a month, we professional adult types would meet up in the school library to discuss PTA business. I'm pretty sure that I put in the least amount of effort of anyone on the PTA board, but I did try to pretend that I put in a lot of effort, which in itself takes effort. And it had me constantly scrambling to look and sound like I had any idea about anything going on at these meetings. It didn't help that I was constantly distracted by my phone because I kept thinking, maybe I heard it make a ding. So-and-so shared a link on your Facebook wall. My phone notified me. My very own Schrodinger's cat.
Is it a funny meme about not wearing pants? Or am I about to be exposed as a One Direction fan who owns a Tumblr account full of boy band conspiracies? Nope, just a picture of Nicolas Cage's face superimposed on a plant titled Nicholas Sage. I was safe. Through jokes and sleight of hand, I had officially become a caricature. Not far off from who I actually was, but I was hiding my neurosis behind distractions so well that I was essentially invisible. I felt the need to high-five myself. My public persona had not been compromised. It was safer this way. The truth was that on any given day, while Sharon from high school was sending me links to the Beatles' anniversary at Shea Stadium, also known as one of my safe, public obsessions, I was actually about three pages deep into Facebook's People I May Know Friends Department on a celebrity I saw on TMZ's Baby Mama's Friends Cousin's Ex-Wife of a Dance Instructor Whose Kids Went to My Kid's School. Essentially, internet stalking. But I like to refer to it as investigations. Did Chloe O'Brien from the TV show 24 get judgmental looks because of her investigations? No. No, she did not. Jack Bauer promoted her to work wife. One day, I'm going to break a scandal via social media. Just watch. Is this what secret agents feel like? Probably. It's incredible the information people give out when they think you're not paying attention. I should start wearing sunglasses and a wire. Unless you're listening to this and you know me or may run into me in real life, like at a PTA meeting, then none of this is true. Ignore all of this. I made it all up for a giggle. Okay, back to the board meeting. I had only recently noticed that there are actual autographed headshots of actors on the wall of the school's library. Los Angeles is surreal. I'm in this PTA meeting trying to pay attention to the school budget and next year's fundraising goals, trying not to eat my chips too loudly while George Costanza's mom is smiling at me from the wall behind the encyclopedias. I have, through the years, tried to point this out to everyone that I've been in that library with. Nobody cares. People don't seem to be as excited about nonsense in the same way that I am. Sometimes I forget this simple truth. Then an innocent conversation about the weather would turn into something else because I got excited— after all, it was supposed to rain the week of the book fair, and Rain is the name of a Beatles song, and Paul McCartney chipped his tooth right before they filmed the video for it in that moped accident that retroactively became the catalyst in the Paul is dead thing. But people don't ever see this sneak attack coming. And, or they're being polite, until about halfway through my inevitably embarrassing dissertation on the dynamic between John Lennon and Paul McCartney, and how I figure this relationship probably directly relates to Jesus Christ Superstar. It's then that I start to notice my entrapped audience shifts into a look of panic. Sometimes sadness, a lot of times, both. But this doesn't ever seem to stop me from talking for at least another ten minutes. People are looking at their watches and probably wondering whether they should stop me or wait and see if I eventually get back around to talking about the book fair. Oh, Nancy, before we leave, interrupted Bobby, one of the two dads brave enough to sit on the PTA board. I got... Oh, I see you're wearing pants. What's the occasion? He then laughed theatrically. 
This was good. I was training them to expect me in not pants. There's only so much real people pants I can handle, and my jeggings were starting to snag. But that's not what I wanted to tell you. We got you something. He unrolled a ridiculous One Direction poster and paraded it around the room until he got to me at the end of the table. Everyone in the room giggled and whispered. <laughs> oh my god, where am I going to put that? I'll be kicked out of the house for sure, I said too loudly and fakely. If that's a word. But I was also secretly excited. This was that naked-in-front-of-the-classroom part of the dream. Only this, sadly, wasn't a dream. And I couldn't magically make that poster look like a Nicolas Cage meme to anyone watching. And by the way, no one who looked at my forbidden longing in poster form lost their face to screams and melting. No one died. Except maybe my dignity. It was embarrassing, but I totally kept the poster. I was never really good at being on the PTA. I joined to fit in with the other moms, to make some mom friends, and, let's be honest, to be in with the cool clique. And the moms who were on the PTA were definitely the cool clique. Popularity is important, even when you're in your 40s, and especially if you missed out on it as a teenager. See, back in middle school, the cool girls asked me to sit at their table for lunch one day. They wouldn't let me invite my nerdy friends, so I politely declined as per lessons I had learned from watching John Hughes movies. I spent the next six years of my public school life getting asked out on joke dates by the popular jocks and pulling wet sunflower seed shells out of my hair. Which was fine. I developed a sense of humor. But I could have been a cool girl. Really. So when opportunity knocked nearly 30 years later, I ran with it. Well, I had a panic attack and had to lie down first, but then I ran with it. The first day of school was the day I met the president of the PTA. Her son was punching my son in the kindergarten yard. Boys will be boys, she said, then turned her back to continue talking to another PTA mom. At the time, I didn't know that both of these women were on the PTA, but I found out soon enough when I asked the kindergarten teacher to keep an eye on the kid punching my son. She told me who his mom was, in case I wanted to take it further. She's the president of the PTA. She's really nice, though, so don't feel intimidated. Great. I fell back on learned experiences from middle school. I tried to stay unseen and hoped the punching boy would just kind of stop so that I wouldn't have to step in. Luckily for me, a tough kid befriended my kid, which solved the problem for all of us. I didn't really know anyone in the community when we started school. We had lived in the neighborhood for about 10 years, but the only people I had ever talked to were the people in our apartment complex, none of whom had kids in school. There was also the woman down the street who screamed at everyone like she was a professional wrestler from the 80s. She once yelled at me about my bad parenting when, on one of our walks, my toddler laid down in the middle of the street and threw a tantrum in front of her house. I guess I kind of knew that lady, but she wasn't likely to befriend me. So, when I was approached by members of the PTA to help out with a book fair, I saw it as an opportunity to finally fit in. 
The next thing I knew, I was in meetings with the book fair committee. It wasn't really even a committee at that point. It was me and another mom handwriting promotional posters with Sharpies until we were high from the fumes. The PTA president, I'll call her Amber, got me to volunteer to work shifts at the book fair during the week. I was completely ignored by all three of the other moms helping out. So each shift, I straightened books while Amber yelled at kids to stop touching stuff and gossiped in whispers and laughs with the other board members behind the register. I felt like I was back in high school. That's when I realized that not everyone who joins the PTA is a mean girl, but everyone who's a mean girl joins the PTA. reached the end of the kindergarten year. My son made a lot of friends, and I found myself becoming entrapped in the circle of cool moms, not quite accepted, but allowed to hang around, like Sandy in Greece. Amber invited the kids and me to the annual end-of-year after-school PTA lunch. I finally felt like I was about to receive my matching girl gang jacket, or whatever cool girls wear, so I reluctantly accepted. As the last day of school wore on, the thought of eating lunch with a whole gang of cool PTA moms while my kids destroyed a cheesecake factory sent me into a bit of a disaster spiral. I had full-on, sick-to-my-stomach, anxiety-ridden shakes. Plus, I had nothing better to wear than yoga pants and a wrinkled Beatles t-shirt. Pinterest said I should lie down on the floor and do the corpse pose from yoga until I relax. Except lying on the floor in corpse pose made me want to take a nap, or fall through the floor into a void, so I'd never have to try to act like a real person in front of people again. Also, I hate wearing pants. And what would I do if my kids started going on and on about the cockroach that was in our kitchen the week before? I couldn't deal with these women knowing about the rat-sized cockroach on my kitchen floor that hissed at me. My kid made sure to tell everyone he met about it for the next half a year, by the way. The school bell rang as I approached to gather my child, and my courage to eat lunch with a bunch of people I didn't know, and for whatever reason, desperately wanted to impress. As I walked toward the gates, toward the hordes of parents with end-of-school balloons and bouquets, and grandmas and grandpas with video cameras on tripods, I started scanning the faces. Terminator style, looking for Amber. As much as I didn't want to go to this luncheon, I really didn't want to show up to find out there's nobody there and it was all a big prank and have half the school laughing at me for my naivety and thinking that people actually wanted me to join them for lunch. I'm not sure how that all works logistically, but my brain doesn't care about logic when it comes to people possibly hating me. It was warm outside, bordering on uncomfortable, and I could feel the beads of sweat forming on my forehead and upper lip. There was no way I was keeping this together. I was already sweating. Hey, Nancy! I heard the nasally southern voice calling out from somewhere to my left. Nancy, over here! Amber was waving me down from the other side of a huge mylar balloon display that read, Brittany, in a rainbow of colors. I would have missed her had Brittany's dad not accidentally bumped the balloons while going in for a hug with someone. He pushed them just enough to the right to expose Amber and her cheerleading efforts to get my attention. 
I hurried past the balloon festivities, the hugging and oohs and ahs from other parents joining in on the shiny helium love train. Hi, I said to Amber, trying to sound calm and like I hadn't been lying on my living room rug all day in corpse pose, dreading this lunch. My glasses began to fog up, starting from my nose and growing outward. Awesome. Sweaty lip? Check. Sweaty forehead? Check. Glasses fogging up? Check. Oh, you're sweating, Amber said as she looked over my head, straining her neck. Did you run into Stephanie yet? Uh, no, I just got here. I raised my glasses a bit from my nose with my left hand to try to defog them in the classiest, nonchalant way I could manage. You are still coming to lunch? she asked. Yeah, I mean, if it's still okay? Why wouldn't it be okay? Do you need to go home first and change? No, I said, but I thought to myself, damn it. The Cheesecake Factory was busy, so I decided to park a few streets away and walk there. Besides, I didn't want to pay Sherman Oaks Galleria parking prices. It was hot, and I was sweaty. Everyone else, I found out later, used the valet parking. I like to tell everyone who will listen what movies were filmed at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Valley Girl, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Terminator 2, Walk Like a Man, and Back to the Future 2. No one cares, but I care about these things deeply. And this is the energy I brought to this dreaded PTA lunch while sweating in uncomfortable pants. I brought new kid syndrome and unnecessary info about the San Fernando Valley to a bunch of industry and industry-adjacent people. And you know what's frustrating about industry people and industry-adjacent people? They're over it. Gwen Stefani could walk through the Galleria on a paparazzi stroll, and not one of them would bat an eye. Everyone was more focused on the people sitting at the table for lunch. I didn't know who to talk to or what to talk about. It was awkward. It was sort of easy to blend into the background of likes and no ways. And if you closed your eyes, you could almost hear the ghosts of Valley Past strolling this same mall nearly 40 years ago. After a couple of hours pretending I was paying attention, Stephanie handed out cute little travel-sized bottles of booze as the luncheon started to wind down. The only things I took away from the afternoon were booze from Stephanie and that a mom named Kelly hates vegetarians because she swears they are always trying to shame her for eating meat, to which she always makes a point to announce she will gladly do in front of them. I happen to be vegetarian, so I spent many future lunches pretending to eat pancetta while filling up on free bread. I was pretty sure I wasn't expected to bring anything to this gathering, but with Stephanie passing out booze, I felt like an uncultured mooch. It's like that one time when I was 21, and I was invited to my friend's bridal shower. I had never been to a bridal shower before. I showed up empty-handed and left with a pizza cutter. I still have the pizza cutter and think about the embarrassing episode every time I use it. Maybe I need to read a book on etiquette. Before we go, I want to get a picture of all of us by the fountain, Amber yelled out across the table. According to an inspirational quote that was artistically overlaid on a pink sunset at a Parisian cafe that I saw on Instagram once, Andy Warhol, or someone, 
once said that the best thing about a picture was that it never changed, even when the people in it did. And maybe that's what I find so amazing about pictures. The unchanging part. The owning a moment part. Plus, I like being in group pictures because it looks like I'm in on something that other people weren't invited to. When I got home, I had a Facebook friend request from Amber. She had posted the picture of everyone by the fountain. I was on the end, half cut out of the photo. I eventually, awkwardly, managed to hang on long enough for the cool moms to think of me as one of them, and I got myself included in their shenanigans. And then I was creating the shenanigans. And then I started to become a mean girl, because power and popularity sometimes do that to a person, especially if you haven't had them before. I started ignoring the non-PTA moms who helped out at the book fair, and then I ignored the PTA moms and whispered behind their backs. I thrived on gossip and would spread it and sometimes even exaggerate it. I don't know why I did it, but luckily we moved away to Colorado before I could get any worse. But at last, I was a cool girl. So, as quickly as it came, it ended. I pushed too many buttons and ruffled too many feathers. At the second-to-last PTA meeting of the school year, I was asked for the login and password for the book fair. Then I was asked to not come back. It was very embarrassing. Moving away was probably a good thing, for my mental health and the people I left behind in Encino. They're probably off having shenanigans with someone else now. Life changes, and it moves on without you. I can't change what the people in Encino think of me, and part of me hopes they've moved on to the next scandal someone's whipped up. The next version of me who has too much wine at a party and passes out on the couch. Besides, being known as a drunk mess is only acceptable if you have a talent for something like art or rock and roll. A 40-year-old mom rolling around on the lawn laughing about how much I like One Direction while trying not to spill my third margarita at a friend's holiday party is probably not as cool as I thought it was at the time. I moved to a new town with new cool moms who knew nothing about me. And I joined the PTA. But it wasn't as hard this time. It was my John Hughes ending. Except, in this case, no one's a better person. Unless this is more like the ending from the movie Weird Science, and I'm Chet. But you know what? This is my story, so I get to be Kelly LeBrock. You're already getting your John Hughes ending. Cue the 80s new wave music. At some point at the new school, they'll invite me into the cool circle. We'll all huddle in the teacher's lounge, surrounded by hundreds of bags of popcorn, waiting for the movie to begin. But for now, I'm just cool adjacent, like Sandy from Greece. I'm sitting in a room of surgeons, lawyers, teachers, personal organizers, Pilates instructors, and more lawyers. And do you know what I am? I'm a mess. I don't think I've showered in a week, and I keep a pack of gum in the car on the not-so-off chance I've forgotten to brush my teeth that day. But no matter which PTA I'm in, when we're all together, it's like the ending of The Breakfast Club. 
Each one of us is a lawyer, a surgeon, a Pilates instructor, a nurse, a personal organizer, a teacher, and a prom queen. That's me. And deep down, each one of us is also a One Direction fan, though some of us are just more in tune with our truth. Well, me. I am. I'm in tune with my truth. I'm 43 years old, and I still feel like I did when I was 12. That's when I was the most me. Not the annoying teenager through early 20s me who knew everything. I mean, that one's still in there too. But she's had wine and a nap. But the 12-year-old me, asking if my nerdy friends can sit at the cool table with me. That's who I am. And the thing I've learned from my travels through awkwardness is that my dad was right. At least partially. No one is paying attention to me because they are too busy worrying about themselves. If wading through the PTA has taught me anything, it's that life is still like it was in middle school. No matter how many medals you win, how fantastic your job is, how great or not great your relationship is, how many kids you do or don't have, we always default to our middle school selves, which is even worse than being laughed at because you wore blush all over your face like it was concealer and then told the kid across the street you'd be his girlfriend as he and all his friends on the bus laugh at you because it was just a joke. One day, this story will be told by an older me via voiceover, and all the pain and hurt will tug on heartstrings in a poignant, coming-of-age kind of way. Only, instead of the type of story where you watch a 12-year-old boy walk the railroad tracks with his friends looking for a dead body like in Stand By Me, or when Kevin kisses Winnie Cooper in The Wonder Years, you'll just see me, a 40-ish-year-old woman in Sphinx cleaning spilled wine off the carpet. Maybe it's the palpable energy of yearning for that group feeling, for a squad. And when you find it again, or for the first time, you want the magic to last forever. But you're not 12 anymore. Not on the outside, anyway. This story is copyright 2021 by Amy Ferguson. This recording is copyright 2021 by Rivercliff Books and Media. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pen Dust Radio. For more information or to submit your writing to the podcast, please visit pendustradio.com. This podcast is a production of Rivercliff Books and Media. Learn more at rivercliffbooks.com. The story featured in this episode is a work of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents are the products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events, locales, or persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental.